Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is someone that I've been trying to get on Mark and Me for around four years. He's the frontman of one of my favourite bands growing up and has definitely shaped the types of bands that I listen to today. I'm joined by the absolutely incredible Art Alexis from Everclear. I'm so thrilled about this interview and I'm going to say it right now. It's a two-parter. We sat down and recorded this interview a few months ago during lockdown. But as always, time runs out, you're restricted and I don't feel we really got the full extent of the interview. So Art was so kind to come back on and we've got a second part which is also out today. And it's been a good few years since I've done a good two-parter. So you guys out there, it's been a long time coming, but I tell you now, it's worth the wait. Now let's just touch base and talk about the last episode. On episode 163, I had two guests, Han and Jim from the amazing band Hot Milk. The response was amazing, this band are amazing, and I couldn't be more grateful for everyone that's tuned in and then gone and checked out this amazing band. They're going to be absolutely massive, and I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's listened. The response was amazing, and I really appreciate it. But hey, let's get back to today's episode. Art Alexis from Everclear. Almost all my friends had so much for the afterglow and the album Sparkle and Fade. There's hit after hit, and the man's a genius, and the interviews will not let you down. So here's me and Art talking all things Everclear. So Art, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. What I want to do today for anyone that's listening and tuning in for the first time that's discovering Everclear or hopefully will listen to this and then go and download and listen to all your albums. Where did it start for you? So, you know, when, when you were growing up and you were young, what were those first ever albums that you listened to that made you go, fucking hell, I want to play guitar and sing for the rest of my life? Well, it wasn't actually an album, but there were albums. So when I was three and a half, four, it was 65 or 66, the last time the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. Not the first or second time, the third time. And um, I was in my bedroom, you know, mom would put me to bed and then go out to the, the living room and have a couple of drinks with my dad, you know, and watch, watch TV. Uh, and I would just sit at the door with the light on and kind of watch what they were watching. And then I would like, when I heard music, I like snuck in and I was behind the couch looking around and they were right here. I was sneaky even. <laughs> I was a liar even then. I was hiding behind the couch and looking around the couch and I saw the Beatles playing and something wow. inside me. I remember this and I'm 59. I remember this from 55 years ago. Just something inside of me was like, it was almost like that first orgasm you have where it just comes up out of you or like doing cocaine or, um, you know, watching my daughter graduate or, you know, just these, these moments of joy in my life. It was just, this was like the first one that just welled up inside of me and I ran around, <laughs> ran around the couch, totally got busted, just right up to the TV, the big old, you know, TV uh, console and just, just was glued and, my mom, I remember my mom saying to my my dad, just leave him alone. <laughs> let, him, let him do it. Because like two years earlier, we had been driving up the coast in California, 
going camping with the whole family in the car. And this is way before car seats or airplanes yeah. or anything, you know. The, the fact that I'm still alive is just amazing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of, on the front bench. My mom, my mom's here. I'm here. My dad's driving, right? And this song called, uh, um, it's a surf song with a wipeout. It's called Wipeout. Nice. Famous song. You've heard it. And it's like this drum roll through the whole thing. And I they, that's on the radio. And I just start jumping up and down. And and my dad's like, my dad can't drive. So he changes the channel. And I start hitting him. I don't remember <laughs> that. I'm told this. I start hitting him and screaming. And he put it back on and turned it up. And he just pulled over to the side of the car, the side of the road. And I just danced and danced till it was over. And then I lay down in my mom's lap and, you know, it was like post coital or something. You know? That's incredible. So my mom learned then that just when it comes to music, just get, get the hell out of my way. Just get out of my way. I mean, it's pretty much perfect foundations, isn't it? The Beatles, you don't get much better than sort of John Lennon and Paul McCartney as songwriters. It's like, that is the ultimate starting point. Rock and roll songwriting. Rock yeah. And roll songwriting, which is just as valid, but they, yeah made it valid because up until then it was still like the brill company brill brill building type you know tim pan alley type like give me a c a bouncy c okay well the kids won't rock and roll so let's do a let's do <laughs> eab you know and and it, 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 seriously i mean that's kind of what it was and until the beatles actually took all these different types of 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 music and popular music that they had access to american blues and r&b and then uh uh you know like english show tunes and stuff like that you can hear that in paul's writing for sure you know and um it, it's just amazing how it morphed into this and then these other bands uh stones kinks uh you know all, all the bands from uh, the mersey beat and all that stuff just kind of followed them over and and then the American bands picked up on it and then it went back and forth and and uh, it's just amazing. And I I love it. I love being a part of that history. I don't know how big a part of it. I don't think we'll ever be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't care. I just know that I'm a part of it somewhere, just a little bit. It's incredible, man. It's a good way to look at it. And I reckon you will be. One day you wait, you'll see and we'll quote on this podcast. This was the podcast when I said, you will go to the Hall of Fame and it will be that moment. I'll be dead. <laughs> I'll probably be dead. <laughs> I'm not living that long. So, uh, so what about live music, man? Because live music is the first time that you got those little hairs on my sort of neck sticking up. And I, that's the moment I was like, I need to do this in my life. And what was it for you? Can you remember those first gigs where it was like, okay, I know you're listening to the live music. But yeah, what was those first gigs you went to that were like, fuck, this is a whole nother level? Well, my, my brother took me to Venice Beach, which is near Santa Monica, where I grew up. Yeah. Um, when I was four, apparently, and I remember there, there's still this little old antiquated band shell there, right? And yeah. There was a free concert by a, a LA band, um, and he told my mom it was uh, it was like educational because the band was from UCLA. So, but it was a bit it was the Doors and fucking hell. And it was like I just remember uh, Morrison scaring the shit out of me. Cause he was like growling and jumping yeah. around and, you know, and I'm sitting up kind of up front with my brother and I'm just like, wow, just the power of it. But yeah, he kind of, he kind of freaked me out. 
But then all that happened when I was four. And then it's like, I, I was, AM radio, I just constantly listen to AM radio everywhere in the, in the house, in the cars, like, you know, we had a transistor, my brothers and sisters had transistors everywhere. So we're constantly listening to, you know, uh, this, this famous radio station called 93KHJ, which was AM radio in LA. And uh, man, uh, you know, I think the first album I ever asked for, my mom bought me was The Animals Greatest Hits, which had House of the Rising Sun on it and a bunch of other songs. And uh, then the next album I got was um, Sgt. Pepper's, which there was wow. at the grocery store. They had albums at the grocery store, like at the front, right? You know, next to the thing where they keep the little balls up in the cage, you know, you get That's a- incredible. Yeah, you know, I, I got my mom to get me an album. I think it was a dollar thirty-nine or two thirty-nine, <laughs> something like that. And then the next one I got was Jimi Hendrix uh, Are You Experienced? So I oh got God. those by the time I was five years old. So it starts to make a lot of sense, doesn't it? By now. It's insane. Everyone I have on, all the bands, we're 150 episodes in, and everyone's always like, Well, it was about 15, 16, I was doing a paper round, or I was getting some pocket money, and I bought this Nirvana CD or a Guns N' Roses. And you're like at five seeing the doors, having Jimi Hendrix, having the Beatles. It doesn't get much better than that. The animals, um, Eric. <laughs> They were just fucking awesome. I, I still, oh, and Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels and, and I just like, and Motown. I love Motown. As a kid growing up, I used to, supposedly when I was like three or four, I used to, um, my sister, my eldest sister's friends would come over there, teenagers, 14, 15, something like that. And uh, I would, I would do the James Brown thing, like with one of her, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, Hair rollers, you know, like oh right, okay, yeah, as a microphone, hair roller, nice. you know, and use it as a microphone <laughs> and do the the please please me thing where please please, you know, where they put the towel on him, so good, he throws it off and he comes back because I remember seeing it on TV because my oldest sister actually went to the Tammy show. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a famous show, Tam- right? Tamla Motown and like, man, Marvin Gaye, Smokey. Jesus. Rolling, Rolling Stones, um, Little Richard, all these bands played at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium in, I think it was 1965, 64. So I don't remember that, but my sister no. remember that. And that's that's kind of legendary, super legendary. Even the police bands quote the Tammy show all the time in song lyrics. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, man, it goes deep in me. You know, I never really wanted to do anything else. I, I used to be glued as a kid at every age, just glued to the radio. Um, then I guess my next live thing was my, I got my aunt to take me to see um, Chuck Berry. Wow. 10, because he was playing in Bakersfield. And I was just, and that, there was this weird period. And a lot of kids go through this at that age, 10, 11, 12, like oldies, right? Like 50s and yeah. 60s. And I really got into it. And uh, then, the, you know, then later that summer, I was up in Northern California with my aunt and my uncle. Um, oh, no, it wasn't that year. It was the next year. And um, I really got into this band called Montrose, Ronnie Montrose. And and uh, I started really getting into, like, Bad Company and Led Zeppelin and, and Black Sabbath. 
And for about nice. five or six years, I had this thing of on my birthday, I would get some money, right? Because yeah. we were poor. We lived in a housing project, so I didn't have a lot of money. And and I worked. I, I was working with paper routes, you know, yeah. paper, uh, newspaper subscriptions and all this stuff when I was younger. But that was mainly to buy clothes for school so I didn't get, you know, made fun of because my mom couldn't afford to buy me like Levi's or Adidas or something. So I would augment that by working, you know, just to keep shut kids up because otherwise I got into fights because if you made fun of me, I was going to punch you in the face. <laughs> that was a little scrawny guy. Ruthless. Dude, I, love, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. Yeah. You, you, there wasn't a whole lot of like, hey man, let's talk this out. No, that didn't happen. Uh, you know, it's like kids would come into class, like a new kid would come into class and just, you know, he'd look at the pecking order of the bigger guys and they'd look at me and, you know, start giving me attitude and bump me as he walked by. And I, that happened, I remember two or three times where I just, I just said, fuck it. You know, I was yep. like, nine 10 11 and i just walk right up to him and punch him right in the face as hard as i could no fear <laughs> keep hitting him and and no one messed with me that was how do you deal with that that's crazy yeah <laughs> leave that kid alone he's fucking leave, mental and he'll yeah, punch he's you metal man leave that kid alone yeah ah, not, not him leave him alone you know and <laughs> they, well, you know how boys are boys can get in a yeah and be his best friends the next day definitely you know weird anyway but, um, so then at this age, and then obviously you're wanting, you said that you can only imagine yourself being this musician and uh, want to be a songwriter and stuff. Were your parents backing you? Because most people that then say to their parents they want to be in a band, they're like, come on, son, you need to get a proper job. Like, stop dreaming, wake up. Or were they like, you do what you want, son. We believe in you. No one in the 70s did that. No. <laughs> <laughs> if people did, people tell me their parents did, and I'm like, you're fucking lying. Yeah, you're like, a liar. If you're not lying, you're, you're like... It, you know, your parents were smoking pot. Yeah. Mom, for one thing, I didn't have parents after the age of five. I had a parent. I had my mom. Right. And uh, we lived in the project. And to be honest with you, I didn't want to be a songwriter. I wanted to play drums. Once I, my, I remember my brother, like, you, you know, we, we slept in the same bed. My big brother is nine years older than me. And he was smoking pot and sniffing glue and stuff like that. But he would play on my dad's old that he got after they split up, he got my dad's old um, uh, RCA phonograph, right? And we would listen to Led Zeppelin, like Con Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. That's what I went to bed with when I was That's like, incredible. Smelling his pots. I, you know, it's funny, I'm reading a book about uh, Zeppelin right now, another one, a newer one, I've read a bunch of them, but this one was uh, called When Giants Walk the Earth. And right. uh, it's interesting. And I remember when Led Zeppelin two came out, he took me, he, he had to watch me that day. Uh, for some reason I wasn't in school, I think I was sick. So he took me to the local record store and got in line to buy that record and then take it home. And in our bedroom, him and his hippie, long haired stoner friends are all smoking pot and cigarettes and drinking beer in the middle of the day when you know, my mom was at work and listening, listening to that. And I was sitting right next to the speakers when whole lot of love came on and Fucking it literally hell. felt like shooting cocaine, which yeah. a lot later in life. And yeah. Then, but it was that same feeling of just that, but just to this day, 
I don't know of a better album opener, you know? No. It just, it just it gets you like, instantly. It's more punk rock than punk rock. And I would argue yeah. that with any punk rock because when that came out, there was nothing like it. Nothing. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. So I, I, I what was your question? <laughs> oh, yeah. Your parents weren't for it. They were like, yeah, well, your mom at that point was not like, yes, son, go and be a guitarist. We have faith. We know that you'll do it. You were like, were they probably, was your mom pushing for you to do like a certain education or how was she kind of letting you? find your way in life well my mom wasn't very educated right my mom was from the deep south and she wanted me to i always felt like she wanted me to aim low in life yeah. so i wouldn't be disappointed because she was disappointed she 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 had won a a couple of um scholarships to acting school from high school and her dad wouldn't let her do it and um and you know my marriage with my dad didn't work out really well she was a no. finally left him after 17 years um you know so she I, I i have a lot of compassion for my mom even though i used to be very frustrated with her because she just kind of taught me to was trying to teach me to aim low and i kept trying to overshoot it like and yeah. to be honest with you it's like i wanted to be a drummer after hearing john bonham i wanted to be a drummer yeah. i lived in I lived in a housing project. I couldn't have drums, you know, they're apartments basically. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't get a guitar until my brother died of an overdose when I was 12. Um, and he had an acoustic guitar and my mom offered to, uh, get me guitar lessons and said, if I stuck with them, she'd buy me an electric guitar. So I took, uh, eight lessons. And then she bought me an electric guitar for 40 bucks at a pawn store, pawn shop. Um, nice. Hawk shop, basically. And, and a little $25 amp. And uh, I took eight more lessons. And that's all the lessons I've ever had. And then he taught me how to learn, like, ruin my records, basically, you know. Going <laughs> and I learned Zeppelin One and I learned Aerosmith and, and, jimmy hendrix but jimmy hendrix was hard still hard yeah um so you're learning a guitar you're becoming a songwriter and you're not playing drums obviously your mom's got you this amazing guitar well it it kind of sucked if i still had it it'd be worth about four grand but uh wow box phantom which they it's fancy fancy used guitar but um vintage guitar but no not songwriting i didn't start songwriting until i was in my early 20s, 20, 20. Wow. Yeah. I didn't start somewhere. I, I just wanted to be a guitar player. I wanted to. I mean, it's a big step, isn't it? From someone that's buying, you know, you've got this guitar you're playing and then for another 10 years, you haven't took it upon yourself to want to be the front man because that's, that's a hell of a step, especially, you know, being the center of the stage where every time you get up on stage, it's you, there you are. Yeah. It wasn't even about that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was ego in, involved in it and I wanted to, I wanted to do it. It just, being a part of it and making music that that energy that was there like i would go see friends of mine play in bands and garages and i'm sure they suck but they were playing you know they play zeppelin or bowie or something like that i'm a huge Bowie fan and i just like it was like i want to do that i yeah i I, i've been wanting to do that since i was six i want to do it even more i met friends when i went to a certain middle school when i was like grade eight or seven and uh him and his brother played and and I wanted to play and I started, you know, I just 
I, I, I was just not, I was taking lessons, but I wasn't good enough to play with them. Plus I couldn't get over myself. I had, I didn't, I didn't know it then, but I had anxiety and depression and OCD and all sorts of things that I was taking a lot of drugs, drugs and alcohol became a big thing at the age of 10. So all through yeah. my teens and my, most of my twenties, I was either doing drugs or drinking. Um, and do you think all that was like a, a plaster over it? So it would I hide the, I was yeah. Kidding. yeah, yeah. I, I, I was born with, I, I got raped when I was eight. There's a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah. And you know, my dad leaving, not having contact with them very often. Um, you know, just a sense of abandonment and uh, my brother dying when I was 12. All that stuff, just weird. You know, it's a hard life. And, and I that's think- a lot, isn't it, for the age of 12 to have gone through all that when most people won't experience half of that in their whole life in 80 years. That's fucking, I don't even know how to even digest what you say sometimes, words, but it's like, <laughs> hell, you know, it's, it's, it's mental. It's like, by the age of 12, most people are just starting to get their first job or, you know, play football in the park and stuff. And you've gone through all that. It's, it's horrendous. Yeah. But there's people who've had much worse time than me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's relative. Um, I just, and you're, and you're still here now. Well, and I think yeah. the catharsis of learning, starting songwriting in my late teens, like I was writing lyrics, horrible lyrics, but I didn't sing them or, or uh, like make them into songs with music. When I was 20, I remember being in a band uh, and I was playing in all sorts of bands, punk bands, country bands, all sorts of stuff. Cause I, I wanted to cover bands. I wanted to like get experience, right? And do different things. But uh, I remember being in this punk band with this, this guy who was a singer who was really pretentious and the bass player was my friend and he brought me in the band. And I just got one, one rehearsal, I just got fed up with this guy saying, uh, can you play something a little bit more linear? I'm like, linear? What the <laughs> does that mean? Yeah. Well, linear means, no, I know what linear means in a mathematical sense, but yeah. in a rock and roll sense, I have no idea because that's not a word that musicians use. Linear. Never. He, mean, he meant he wanted me to palm mute, like, gun, 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 like that. And I'm just like, and I'm playing with him. And then finally, I'm just like, you know what? I look at the bass player and he looks, he looks at me and he's like shaking his head. And I just, I stop playing and I just pack it up while they're still playing the song. And he's like, no, 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 don't quit. Don't quit. We'll get another singer. I go, nah, don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to teach myself how to sing. And I did, I took a year off bands, slept on my mom's couch when I was about 20, 20, yeah, right before I turned 21 and smoked a lot of pot and uh, listened to a lot of, um, singer-songwriter stuff like Neil Young, um, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, rock and roll songwriters, and little Beatles stones, and taught myself how to play and sing those songs. And um, then I started writing songs. And it took me about a year before I started writing some good songs, but it's, I started writing songs that I would play for friends and that, you know, even their girlfriends would go, hey, Art, did you write that? Yeah. That's pretty good. And I'm nice. Like, okay. If I can make someone else's girlfriend look at me. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So the sing- singer songwriting thing really like with Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska, that was big for me. That was a big album. Neil Young was big. Joni Mitchell, um, uh, John Prine, 
uh, a lot of singer-songwriters. And at the same time, I was super into fucking heavy, heavy bands. Sabbath, yeah. Zeppelin, Cheap Trick, Power Pop type stuff, Aerosmith, and then Sex Pistols, X, a punk rock band from LA, one of my favorites, Ramones, all that stuff. I like, you know, singer-songwriters and big guitars. And that's what Everclear is, really. Yeah. It is. I mean, I was a bit later to Everclear. I went back and bought all your other albums, but when I got so much of the Afterglow, I put on that opening track and I thought, okay, this sounds like the Beach Boys. I was just there, like, you know, the harmonies, the vocals, and everything. I was like, this is incredible. Brian Wilson, this is what I'm hearing. And then that guitar kicks in. And I was like, fuck, I've, I've not heard anything like this. Like, this has got me instantly. When you talked about Led Zeppelin, that opener for me is up there with that for me because it got me those guitar riff and that, you know, I was just like, fuck, that's done something to me that all these other albums that i've got listening like at the time it was stuff like corn limp biscuit deftones all these are this was different and then i was like it got me there was just something inside that was like oh my god so you and like you like the heavier more metal i did growing up i did when i was growing up now i've well, yeah, mellowed out when you're growing but, up you're angry and yeah, loud yeah. music makes you feel good yeah i was listening like, to those lyrics good yeah i hate my fucking dad and all this as well and all this, but now i'm like I listen to Jeff Buckley and I'm quite mellow and I can relax more and have a cup of tea with your dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. So it does change. That's good stuff though. I, I mean, that's normal. That's yeah. normal stuff. Um, the people that, when you think about bands that are in their thirties and forties and fifties, still doing that kind of music, you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> are you still angry? Yeah. <laughs> No, the bands, you know, the bands. You, you think to yourself when you're listening, like you're still writing those songs 30 years later. You, you must have got over it by now. Well, I'm still working on a lot of the PTSD from back in the day, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I'm I'm very present with it and I'm conscious of it. And I'm, I'm very conscious not to let triggers. I One thing I figured out over the last year, the last couple of years of like um, not letting things that happen to me not not being triggered by the by the rage and the anger and yeah. and shame and pain and all that stuff because i mean it did its job it helped me with my band it helped me with my career and it helped me with my music but it it doesn't help me in my life you know being hair triggered angry about stuff doesn't make you a good dad it doesn't make you a good partner um so yeah, I'm very conscious of that, but I can turn it on and turn it off. I can get in contact with that person when I'm playing a song on stage, like you make me feel like a whore or something like that. Yeah, I can c connect with that rage. When I when I um, play, you know, Father of Mine, I have to connect to that hurt yeah. boy. You know, I have to connect with him. I can't uh, with lyrics like ours, mine, the Everclears. I can't phone it in. You yeah. know. It'll it'll show to the crowd. It's so transparent. You have no idea. As a member of the audience, you can see straight through it. People don't realize. I've seen bands phone it in. I'm like, nah, that's fake. Yeah, I can too. I can too. Yeah. And I know when I'm fucking totally connected. Like, we played a show uh, in Southern Oregon, but it's our only show show in in Oregon. That so a lot of Portland people, old school fans, came down for, and people from all over. And there was. Mark, there was kids like in their late teens, early 20s, singing the lyrics. They weren't even fucking born when those albums came out. Yeah. You no. Know? And I'm just like, wow, how exciting. And I'm, I'm, we were on. Just no, yeah. that we were fucking on. 
and um, the crowd just like crazy. Whole you know, fifteen hundred people jumping up and down uh, for an hour and a half. It was it was awesome. I know you've got to probably go now. I have to um, go. I'm, getting, I'm getting that look from my wife. I don't know. No, that's fine. Uh, there's one question I need to ask you before we go off here. Every person that comes on the podcast chooses an outro song. Is there a song that you want to pick? It doesn't have to be one of your own, but on the spot, should we go with Led Zeppelin because you've talked about it? But every song has an outro. Let's go with let's go with Whole Lot of Love. Perfect. Thank you, dude. Right, thank you, bye. So there it is. There's the first part of my interview with me and Art Alexis, an amazing guy, so honest. But as you heard, the interview ended quite abruptly. Normal life and everyday life gets in the way of these things, and I respect that, so Art was good enough to come back on and finish this interview in style. So part two is waiting for you right now. So I'm not going to do my normal outro and tell you all about my social media channels, I'm encouraging you to go right to the next episode and hear the second part of this. I hope you've enjoyed the first part, and I'll leave you all now to hit that play button and get straight to the next part. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you all soon.